Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. Make sure you follow me on all things social media, at Fanatic. If you're listening to me on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you subscribe and share this with a friend. Also, I am so excited to announce that now you can find me on CBTV Radio. So I'm pretty excited about that. All the, the description and the links for that are going to be in the description below. So make sure you check that out. But I am so excited to become a part of the CBTV Radio family. Now, we are going to, we have a lot to talk about this this week. And I'm a little nervous because I think I might, I think I might piss some of you guys off this week. But you know, I haven't done that in a while. So, hey. Congratulations to me, right? We're going to be talking about an organization that has decided to try to hijack the Black Lives Matter movement. I am not a fan. We're also going to be talking about the Patriots and the push for them to sign Colin Kaepernick. But another athlete who says that they have a great deal of racism on that team. Surprise, surprise. Also, I have a friend of mine joining me, Kevin Mallory from Fox Sports. We are going to be tackling a subject that comes up more than it should in the black community. And that is the dynamic between black men and black women. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that right here on At The Half. But let's dive into this. So um, this Black Lives Movement, guys, it is picking up steam. It is not slowing down. I am very excited about all that I'm seeing, all the changes that are starting to be made. We still have a, a very long way to go. Defund the police needs to happen. We need some convictions in the Breonna Taylor um, Rashard Brooks, who this weekend was shot and killed. Um, and of course, George Floyd, we need all of those convictions to happen and we need some definite police reform. So I'm excited about what we're seeing as far as people coming out and marching and supporting. Um, but we still need more. That being said, um, this weekend, specifically here in Hollywood, California, where I live, there was about, there was well over 30,000 people that participated in the march um, that happened over this past weekend. Obviously, it was conjoined with the beginning of Pride Month. Um, so there was a lot of people out. I, <laughs> I have to respectfully ask the gay community to stand down on hijacking the Black Lives Matter movement by saying all Black Lives Matter. I'm trying to say this as respectfully as I can because I know no matter how I say it, it's going to offend. And I 100% mean every single word that I'm about to say. There is racism in the gay community. That should not be a head scratcher to anyone considering there are all walks of life that happen to be gay. If everyone who was gay also happened to be black, then even then I wouldn't co-sign on you guys saying all black lives matter because black means everybody black. I don't know. I don't appreciate you prefacing it in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Let me give you an example. If Tyrone goes into, I don't know, an apartment building to try to get an apartment and he's denied housing because he is black, that is a Black Lives Matter issue. If Tyrone happens to be gay, still a Black Lives Matter issue because they're discriminating against him specifically because he is Black. Um, if Tyrone goes in there with his boyfriend, who is whatever nationality, and they are discriminating against him because they don't want gay couples or gay men in that apartment building, that is a gay issue. They're, they're not interchangeable. And I, and I think that that's the problem that I'm having with a lot of this 
situation. Although I guess, you know, I talked to my best friend about it and she's like, oh, I just appreciate the numbers. I kind of look at it like the feminist movement. The feminist movement came right for the black woman, not because they really wanted the black woman to have rights because the white woman at that time still had more rights than the black woman. They came to the black woman because they needed the numbers. So while on one hand, I do appreciate joining our forces we still have to join forces to target a specific situation that specifically affects black people regardless of their sexual orientation. So outside of that, I specifically have a problem with who they've named as their their George Floyd, their counterpart to our George Floyd. Um, the gay community has their, their counterpart, which is Tony McDade. Now, Tony McDade was shot by police on May 27th. Now this, this situation is, is not a typical, um, because I think that what we are saying as black people is no matter what the crime that they, anyone in this country has committed, our justice system says that person should have their day in court. We know this because when the little white kid shot up a whole bunch of black people in a church, they successfully detained him and took him to Burger King so he could await his trial right? So we've seen, we've seen white, there's a white kid that that video is going around, um, that he literally beat up a cop. The cop refused to shoot him, even though he tased him several times. All we're asking for is that level of equality. We've seen white people storm the castle with guns ablazing, and they went home to tell the tale. We can't even reach for our ID and live to tell the tale. So obviously there needs to be a day in court. It's called due process, right? So this particular man, um, Tony McDade, he was shot and killed by police on May 27th. Now the police, the benevolent, uh, the police benevolent association, which is also the PBA is refusing to release the name of the officer involved. Obviously this is one of those things that you want to release the name of the officer involved because you want to be able to apply pressure, not only into that police department, but to that cop who felt that he was justified in being judge, jury, and executioner. Everyone is, is, is responsible in this situation, including this police officer. Um, but the PBA has filed a lawsuit that to prevent them from releasing the name. Now, Tony McDade is accused of stabbing Malik Jackson, also a black man. He's accused of stabbing him and then fleeing the scene. Um, and then 15 minutes later, apparently the police officers found Tony and shot and killed him when they, when he was in his apartment building. Now, obviously there are things about this case that scream deadly force. The police officer is saying that um, even though he stabbed Malik Jackson, that he had a gun when he was at his apartment building and drew it on the officers. They're also refusing to release the body cam. The body cam, in my opinion, would quickly and easily prove if Tony McDade actually pulled a gun on the police officers. If he did, then this case is open and shut, in my opinion. The fact that he used a knife in one situation and they're refusing to release the body cam footage, to me, screams misconduct by the police. Now, Tony McDade is a black man, right? So there, therein lies the Black Lives Matter involvement because this is another black man, whether he committed a crime or not, was denied his day in court by police officers if, in fact, he peacefully opened the door, which, you know, there's questions there because you just stabbed someone to death. 
But then again, that's allegedly because we, you know, so there's a lot of things that we would find out in court that we're not going to find out now because this man is dead. So obviously there's a lot of, a lot of similarities with cases we've seen in the past. Now, Tony McDade, um, who's a black man also happens to be transgender. So here is where the all black lives matter movement or hijacking of the black lives matter positioning. I don't even know what you call it. That's where it starts because their theory is homosexual, transgender, and by black lives matter too. You might as well just take the black out and just put all lives matter. Because like I said before, there are all nationalities of transgender. There are all nationalities of bi. There are all nationalities of gay. We are saying black lives, period. Black, straight, gay, whatever. Black lives, period. And I understand that we want the numbers, but in allowing this to happen, we are legit allowing them to hijack our movement. This case has nothing to do with this man being transgender, period, nothing, not even going to entertain that. This was a black man who was denied due process, period. We cannot allow people to hijack a movement of things that have been happening specifically to us as black people, period, just to gain numbers for their movement. Everybody got a movement at this point. The Confederate flag fans have a movement. This is our movement. This is our time. We cannot let, we cannot be derailed. We have to be, have tunnel vision in our focus. Period. So again, while I appreciate the gay community coming out and supporting us, that should have been it. It should have been the gay community coming out to support black people, period. You throw an all on there and now your motives are suspect. Now you're trying to conjoin your motives with our motives and they're not always conjoined, are they? They are just not. There is racism in the gay community. And when you are trying to align yourself with a movement that is trying to fight against race, racism, you can't just be all willy nilly with throwing all on there. Because I'm telling you, if you're trying to say all black lives matter, we've already said that with black lives, black lives. Is there an asterisk by that? Is it say black lives matter except Black Lives Matter, unless you are, that's not on there. You got to be suspect of anybody who ain't never, ever, 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 ever said nothing about black lives all of a sudden joining in your movement. You got to look at them through a microscope. And I am telling you, gay community, while I appreciate your support, you missed it on this one because you should have just come out and you should have just said, yes, black lives matter. And then you know what? Have a pride the uh, a parade the next day, and we'll come out and support you. It has to be mutual supporting, not hijacking of a a movement. You guys hijacked it, and I don't like it, and you owe us an apology. So I'll wait. I know some of y'all are gonna be mad because you're gonna be like, "Well, Jackie, what if no black? Period. That doesn't. I don't. I don't go around and say black women's lives matter because I'm included in the black. That's redundant. Stop it." This is cool this one time, but I am saying to the black community, don't, don't be bamboozled into following in, falling into an agenda that is not your own. Black lives matter, period. So coming up after the break, you guys, we're going to get into a little bit of what the NFL is doing, and they are trying to really make amends, but do we buy it? Stay tuned. Here comes James. He's all alone. Oh, 
we always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that captured the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? There were no more humble beginnings. Welcome back, everybody, to At The Half. Once again, don't forget to follow me on all things social media, at Fanatic, And welcome me to my new home on CBTV Radio. So excited about that. Make sure you tell a friend and subscribe. All right, so the NFL has a big whoopsie going on right now because Colin Kaepernick nailed it. And it's really unfortunate when you think about how big the NFL is and how much further along maybe we would be in this movement had the NFL said, you know what, you're right. Instead of overlooking it and making it about, you know, a piece of fabric and a song that was written when we were slaves, so y'all can keep it. You know, imagine how much further we would have been if they had taken Colin Kaepernick seriously. So now there's this whole thing about, you know, I've heard several sports journalists say that the Patriots, the Patriots should pick up Colin Kaepernick. Um, I'm going to say emphatically no on that one. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that at this point, I don't think that Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback is the move. Um, because he's three years removed from, from the situation. Uh, he looks like he's in fantastic shape, but those of us who know the sport being in great shape does not automatically constitute being in football shape. So you have to know that whatever star status you had when you were playing the game, starts to dwindle. It's like a car. It depreciates the moment you stop playing it. So I don't know if Colin Kaepernick is going to be who he was three, three, almost four years ago now. So that's number one. Number two, I think the Patriots would be the worst organization to have him on. New England, I am so sorry. I know that y'all don't want to admit this, but y'all fan base is 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 largely racist outside of my brother. And I be trying to talk him out of it all the time. I don't even know any Black Patriot fans. But we know how largely racist that fan base is. And I just don't think that you put Colin Kaepernick on in an organization that is known for its racism, number one. And number two, that has a, a winning legacy because now all eyes are going to be on him in a very precarious situation. And if he doesn't immediately succeed, then, you know, the race is going to be like, I'll see, I told you. I just think that's not, that's not productive in my opinion. Now, along with that in 2015, you know, the Patriots had a longtime tight end by the name of Benjamin Watson. I'm sure you guys remember him. Now um, he is saying that in the locker room. So now for the longest time, Patriots have been able to argue, it's not us, it's our fan. But now you have this player who said, no, in the locker room, I experienced racism from teammates, 
coaches, basically everybody. Is it a far stretch? We know Bill Belichick, along with Robert Kraft, support 45. And if you think 45 is Team Black Lives Matter, I have a beachfront property in Colorado I would love to sell you because stop it. So, and, and we have evidence of this because in 2014, I think it was 2014, might've been 2015. Anyway, they reached a million fans. The Patriots reached a million fans on their Twitter account. And they were taking, you know, the at names of their fans. And they said, oh, at I hate the N-words. Thanks for being our 1 million fan. And it was signed by somebody and they, they, posted it on their Twitter. Now they said, oh, this was a mistake. We didn't mean to, we didn't mean to to do that. I, I am not sure if I buy that because look on my YouTube page alone, you can't use the N word because I have algorithms set that you cannot use that word on when you guys leave comments. So some of you out there that you haven't seen your comment on my YouTube page, now you know why. Can't use the N-word. You also can't use certain words in succession. You can call me black. You can call me the B-word. Can't use them side by side. <laughs> then I'm not. I'm just not going to have your comment on my page. So that's me, little Jackie Ray, who has these things in place to prevent anything inappropriate from popping up on my page. You trying to tell me? that there's not people scrubbing their Twitter account. I I just don't buy it. I, I don't buy it for a second. They said it was an accident. Some of y'all bought it. That's fine. Um, but we also remember a moment of silence from the Patriots because in 2017, when they were facing the Falcons, Richard Spinner, I guess that's how you say his name, but he is a, a white nationalist and leader of the alt-right movement. And he tweeted, Rooting for the Pats. Number one, Belichick and Brady support Trump. Number two, three white ride receivers. Number three, consistently NFL's widest team. And number four, ATL, which by the way is predominantly black, is dreadful. Now, because of the victory that the the Patriots had, Boston Magazine, the New York Daily News, the Atlanta Journal, and several other publications tweeted about or wrote about the tweet. The Patriots never once acknowledged it, and you have to address it publicly because this happened publicly. They chose to be silent. Um, so you can't really downplay your little, and, oh, I almost forgot. In the last draft, the Patriots drafted a racist kicker who had an alt-right tattoo on his arm. Now, they, of course, allowed him to explain that away. But again, that property in Colorado sitting right on the beach, I'll sell it to you if you're buying that. Obviously, you don't get anything tattooed on your body. And on top of that, I'll double down. For as long as he's had it, there's no way in hell no one's ever told him what that tattoo meant. He was comfortable keeping it. I'm still riding with the boy as a racist. But he's a kicker. Hopefully, uh, they kick him out. So, cause he's used to that sort of thing. So the Patriots have a long history of racist practices. Um, now here's the thing. It is kind of tricky because we know how Robert Kraft was very instrumental in helping Meek Mill and Meek Mill was facing an absorbent amount of time. That was definitely not just, and he definitely helped with that and in a beautiful way. And he was happy to help with it. And him and Meek are still friends. So you have to kind of 
think that, oh, well, maybe he's not. But then at the same time, the Kraft Group, which Robert Kraft is the chairman and CEO, they donated donated $1 million to the man in the White House. They donated that to his, his campaign. So I just, I can't, I don't know what we are expecting at this point from not only the Patriots, but the entire NFL, uh, because it just, it's just not believable at this point. None of, none of it's believable. We've seen um, Eric Reed get unjust amount of drug tests just because he stood with Colin Kaepernick in his protest. And now you're trying to say, oh, we were wrong and we're, we're team black. Like, no, the hell you ain't. Like, who are you trying to convince? It's one of those things we have to ask. Like, are you trying to convince me? Or are you trying to convince yourself? Um, I mean, the league is, as a whole has proven we have no allies. Shad Khan, who is from Pakistan, he posted an essay about the racial tensions in the United States. But in 2016, he also donated to Trump's campaign at the height of, of Colin Kaepernick's protest. So you can't believe him at what he says either. Buffalo Bills owner, who is from South Korea, um, she stood by the NFL when when they made it mandatory that athletes stand for the national anthem. She's all so I mean, I just don't the NFL has proven in no uncertain circumstances. There's no way that you can think that we as black people have allies in the NFL. And there's no way you should think that until we get black people in ownership who can have a seat at the table. We don't have one seat. There's 32 teams in the league. We don't have one seat at the table. Not one. There's nobody thinking about black lives. They are now because it's the movement. But let me tell you this, and I told you this before, and I'm going to say it again. This is not an awakening. This is not people saying, oh, wow, you know what? Look at this. Remember when they killed Eric Garner? Do you remember when they killed Tamir Rice, who would have been graduating with the class of 2020. Do you remember when they killed him just because he was playing? He was a kid playing on the playground. Do you remember what they did to uh, Philando Castillo? Do you remember what they did to Sandra Bland? Oh my God, how have we been asleep this whole time? That's not what's happening. This is not an awakening. This is people sitting at home. They have nothing else to do. It's a perfect storm. When this storm passes, it is just going to be us once again, left to try to rebuild this, left to try to rebuild this momentum. And so I am telling you, don't get it twisted. When the NFL season starts, they're going to placate us as best that they can. And if you don't believe me, just know this, that the NFL has no real allegiance to the national anthem or the flag. You know how I know this? Because they didn't even have athletes come out on the field until the military started paying them to have athletes out on the field because they were sliding in recruitment efforts and they thought that the NFL, being the conglomerate that it is, would help boost their recruitment. It had nothing to do with being patriotic, had nothing to do with the flag or the national anthem. It was entirely about money. And that money has made Colin Kaepernick's protests mean nothing. 
wasn't about the fact that, again, I don't know why black people entirely is, unless you're in the military, I don't really know why we stand for the national anthem. Personally, I don't stand for it, nor shall I ever. Um, because you just can't convince me to stand for something that was created when I was considered property. You cannot convince me to stand for a song that was written by a born again racist and a, for a, and acknowledge a flag as anything more than a piece of fabric when I was considered three fifths of a person. Stop it right now. <laughs> no, if I want to chew bubble gum and do and and fall out on the floor, sit, stand, kneel, whatever that talk on the phone, whatever the hell, wear my hat, wear it backwards, whatever the hell I want to do during the national anthem. I got 400 years that says I should be able to do just that. So I'm not trying to hear none of what y'all are talking about in that regard. I understand trying to be respectful to other people's feelings about that, but y'all can miss me with the whole, the whole stop it. Y'all can miss me with that whole thing. But if the NFL thinks that now because they are throwing money at a problem that they refused to address before, how seriously are we supposed to take it? How seriously do you take it? That's what I really want to know. You as football fans, how seriously do you take it? I'm a Saints fan. So to hear my, and he said the same thing in 2016, Drew Brees did. You try to make allowances. So I get it. We've been making allowances for the NFL for a long time. My question is, how many more allowances are we going to make before we realize this just what it is? So when the storm passes, everybody's back to work and no one's really thinking about George Floyd and they're just crossing their fingers that, you know, the the men that killed him are going to jail. And when Breonna Taylor's uh, killers are never brought to justice and her boyfriend who tried to defend her when they broke into her home and shot her something like they shot something like 22 shots, eight of them hit her. That's an excessive amount of shots for you to be doing a no knock warrant. Stop it right now. When they sentence her boyfriend to jail time while her killers go free and there's no one talking about it but us. And the NFL tries to tell us, oh, but we donated all these money to this other little charities and stuff and we still respect the police. And when the police are still doing security details at NFL games, are we still giving them a pass? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Let me know in the comments below or go ahead again and follow me on social media at Jerry the Fanatic. Let me know because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You got to be blind, deaf, and dumb to think that the NFL is, to, is in any way sincere about their efforts to save face. That's all it is right now. But you guys let me know what you think because I definitely want to hear. And after the break, um, black men, black women, obviously, no matter who you are, feel free to tune in. But this is definitely a segment for us because Kevin Mallory from Fox Sports is going to join in to talk to me about a tweet that I got um, on the fumble, um, when we were talking about this Colin Kaepernick situation. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And I will see you on the other side of the break. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. 
Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Ironman after beating a brain tumor. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. When they talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, make sure it's your team. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to At The Half. As promised, I have Kevin Mallory with Fox Sports here with me. We are going to talk about a subject that <laughs> has come up from time to time. It actually came up, if you guys follow me, on the fumble. It came up on the weekend zone. So we're going to tackle it. So thank you, Kevin, for helping me. Hey, no problem. Tackle this one. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, we always have great conversations. So I figured let's get the touchy subjects Let's get you in on those because I felt oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's dive right <laughs> in. I'm, I'm ready. With everything we've been saying about the Black community, we've been talking about a lot of racism and things of that nature. One of the comments that we received on the fumble says the following. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm just going to basically read the, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, she says, when Black men stop being racist towards Black women, then other races will follow. Black athletes and rappers portray Black women in the most despicable way. No race treats its women as bad as Black men treat Black women. Mm. So um, this subject comes up all the time. You know, that's one of the reasons why we have the Black Love platform, because we feel like we need to kind of shine a light on that. You do see a lot of athletes, you know, with non-Black women. Right, athletes and, 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 and famous rappers. entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard black people say, we've heard Ice-T say he's basically encouraged people not to date black women. Um, he's not the first, he's not the first uh, blackish uh, <laughs> celebrity to say, say such things. So let's just, let's just unpack this as a black man. Uh-huh. Do you see, do you see where she's coming from in this comment? Do I mean grammatical grammatical errors aside? I, I do. I can definitely respect where she's coming from. Um, black men and black women, even though I do think there is an effort being made by each party to truly express love for one another, there have been so many things systemically and culturally that have stopped us from really fully being able to do that. Um, I mean, obviously going back to the slave days where. Black men and black women were separated from, excuse me, black families or slave families in general were mm-hmm. separated from one another to the idea that perpetuated that lighter skinned women were more beautiful or more worthy to the modern days where now, if you're someone of influence as a black male, dare I say it may help you 
if you have a non-Black partner. So there are so many things systemically and culturally that we need to overcome. And it's a paradigm shift. This is one of those things that sadly will take time. It's not something that's going to be uh, resolved with a hashtag or with a with a trendy catchphrase. It's something that we're going to have to drill into our culture. Hey, you know what? You know, Black women, they are indeed beautiful. They are indeed worthy. They've been the most supportive of us for eons. I mean, since the beginning. Um, so I mean, when we recognize those facts and we ingrain it in ourselves that, hey, you know what? Black women are beautiful. They are great. They are brilliant. They are so creative. And they've been our, they've been our greatest supporters, our investors, our protectors, and so forth. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll move, we'll continue to move in the right direction. I think also too, for a lot of black men, with the way our family structure has been, uh, dare I say, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say destroyed, but with so many people growing up in poverty, families being separated, I, whether it's because of just non-involved fathers, whether fathers that were arrested and got caught up in the system, a number of reasons, a lot of black men truly don't know how to express their love to partners and children. So you have this this sad, vicious cycle repeating itself generation after generation after generation. And it's a lot, a lot of things is needed to overcome that. It's education, it's uh it's education, it's dialogue, and it's just an overall paradigm shift that we can be enough for each other. So what about the narrative? And as a black woman, I hear this all the time, specifically from black men. What about the narrative that you know, black women are more mouthy, they emasculate you, um, you know, like what? I know you've heard that. I know that's why you laugh because you've heard that. <laughs> I was actually talking to somebody recently about that, believe it or not. Um, you know what? I don't want to fault black women for that because I, I think it's, it's okay, in wait, our, I don't wait, wanna... Let's unpack that. You don't want to mm-hmm. fault black women for that. If you're not faulting us for it, then that means on some level you think that that's an accurate statement. Well, I say that black women, and I, I love that. I mean, I love this about people I interact with in general, but black women, well, oftentimes they have strong personalities, they have strong opinions. And when you're that smart, when you're that brilliant, when you've experienced so much, I think that comes with the territory. I, I think you would agree with that. I just think some guys, there are a lot of guys, let's, let's, if we're being honest, there's a kind of, there's a kind of fragility when it comes to the masculine ego. So when you're dealing with someone or when you're dating, so I don't even like dealing because I don't even like using the word dealing mm-hmm. with when you're talking about dating another, another adult, because you know, you're not dealing or handling other adults. I like to think, mm-hmm. um, but when you're dating or you're involved with someone who does have strong opinions, someone who does have great intellect, someone who's not afraid to speak her mind, a lot of men are intimidated are intimidated by that for whatever reason. Um, so I think there's that. And there are a lot of guys who truthfully just have, have had bad experiences where for whatever reason, he and that black woman who might've had a strong personality didn't work out. The problem is now he projects that onto every other black woman he meets that's not his mother or 
family member. And that's problematic. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that if you're, regardless of race, but especially when it comes to Black people, you should be looking for someone who challenges you, who makes you broaden your intellectual horizons, who makes you consider another perspective. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, if you're not helping me to become better, why are we really together? I, I think there should be a uh, a give and take and a and a reciprocating of ideas and feelings. And hey, you know what? Let's strive to make the other. One, I mean, let's hope that we can make the other one better while continuing to invest in ourselves. I mean, I think. You know, to going back to the the comment, I think there's something to be said for that because I mean, when you think about Tupac, you know, he even said the black of the berry, the sweeter the juice, and he talked right. about Marvin Gaye had us thinking that black was a thing to be, and I think that we've kind of lost that a little bit. Um, I know, I know exactly what Hope was feeling because I've been in, I have literally been one of the things that I used to tell a friend of mine, and I was like, we could go to an all black club. And I can be looking the finest I've ever looked in my life. And I will stand in the room and the lone white guy is going to be the guy that comes up and talks to me respectfully. There's going to be okay. the, you know, the A girl, you know, whatever. There's going to be the stuff that don't, don't nobody want to deal with regardless of race. I'll get <laughs> those guys to talk to me. But the only people that are going to come up and say, hey, you know, you look nice today. What's your name? You know, something that I can actually gravitate to, always mm-hmm. the white guy. And I've dated guys that it's a it's a weird dynamic with with black men because like you said they're always going for the long hair big lips my my lips are naturally big but I don't get no love from black men about my lips you get this white girl with all this injection and all of a sudden oh she exotic is she well, well is she well she? <laughs> well you know what though well I think it's I think it's twofold and I'm glad you bring that up I think there there are two things we need to look at one going back to the days of slavery. And I actually read an interesting piece, I believe, in Slate earlier today, where with all of these um, with all of these protests and rallies, there have been signs of people talking about, excuse my language, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll clean it up, talking about black male genitalia. Mm-hmm. And the author, her point was, or excuse me, the, the author's point, I don't know if it was a male or female, but the author's point was, hey, let's stop fetishizing black men. But that goes back to the days of slavery, where... Oftentimes, we, we oftentimes hear the story of, you know, the master creeping at J. Cole, the master creeps into the shack where your lady's at. Mm-hmm. We hear that story about uh, slave masters looking at black women as sexual conquests, mm-hmm. resulting in mulatto children. One thing that doesn't that isn't talked about as much is also, too, there were a lot of white women during that time who either were slave owners or were the family members of slave owners who also looked at black men as sexual prizes that they could have mm-hmm. they strong bodies they were bred to work mm-hmm. and a lot of that reverberates today where right. black men and white women they look at each other as the quote-unquote forbidden fruit i'm sure you've heard many times mm-hmm. i mean so there's that to keep so even that historically continues to reverberate centuries later and then secondly black women's bodies not only have they been objectified but they've also been imitated. Mm-hmm. Now you've seen non-black women or excuse me, other non-black other yeah, other non-black women or white women trying to emulate the physique or body shape that we typically associate with a black woman. Mm-hmm. So like when you see a white woman 
um, who has a shape like Trina, as a black man, you see that with the historical context and you think, damn, hold up. A white girl with a black woman's body? Oh my goodness. And I'm of course not saying that, not saying. <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that's right, but as guys, oftentimes when we see that, we get distracted by that and we're not thinking clearly. We just see, oh, beautiful woman, you know, let me see what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are other things we should take into consideration. Let me ask you one more question. Do you think you can be pro-Black if you are not pro-Black family? Mm, well, hold up. When you say not pro, see, what do you mean by not pro black family? I mean that if you are not a black man, mm-hmm. uh, build a family with a black woman, can you consider yourself to be pro black? Mm. Or, or vice versa, if you're a black woman not building a family with a black man, can you consider yourself to be pro black? So essentially, can you interracially date and still consider yourself pro black? Is what we're yeah. getting at. Um, I would say yes, with this caveat. If you love that person truly and you guys fulfill each other or complete each other, and I I think you can still be pro-black without necessarily dating a black person or being married to a black person. The issue we've had is, to your point earlier, a lot of people, they say, oh, well, you need to stay away from black women because of X, Y, and Z, or a black men are trash because of this, that, and the third. Well, if you're dating someone who's not black for those reasons, then no, I don't think it's I don't think it's possible for you to truly be pro-black. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there are people who have dated outside of the race or non-black people who have truly um, initiated and ingratiated themselves into a black movement. So they truly support Black Lives Matter. They truly support racial inequality. They truly support gender equality. So I think if, if you are dating someone and it's it's true love, and again, I I have the caveat that it needs to be true love, but if you're doing that, I, I do think it's possible for you to still be pro-Black, even if you're not necessarily with another Black person. That's a hard no for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why so? That is a hard no for me because you cannot... There's going to be compromises that have to be made, and I and I hear what you're saying, but it's an it's impossible. Um, there are compromises that need to be made in order to to and I'm speaking from personal experience. Um, there, with the most loving person in the world who wanted to support every black venture I ever had, there's still compromises that need to be made because you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. You don't want them to feel like you're militant, um, things of that nature. Uh, at the same time, I think that. A black family is a beautiful thing. People say, oh, you can't help who you love. That's a lie. You can because you can decide who you entertain. You're not going to fall in love with someone you don't entertain. And I think when people say, oh, I'm pro-life, they don't walk into an abortion clinic and say, kumbaya, let's all get along. They are pro-sustaining life. And me, I am pro lifting up the black community there's no compromises in that and i don't i don't think that you can be in that situation and not make compromises you have to make compromises any relationship you're in you're going to have to make compromises but i think that when you're in an interracial relationship the compromises you make aren't beneficial to any type of now i i think that you can be in an interracial relationship don't get me wrong i think you love who you love 
I just think you bow out of the pro-black conversation when you do that. So let, let's say you're a black man or a black woman who dates outside your race, but you're still able to, you're still at Black Lives Matter protests. You're still supporting the black community with your, with your money, whether it's supporting black businesses, um, whether it's getting the word out of black, about black businesses and advancing um, the narrative or increasing awareness about issues that may disproportionately affect black people. But that can't be your sole focus. It, the, the black community cannot solely be your focus if you're in an interracial relationship. You kind of have to be, yeah, you can be like Black Lives Matter, but you kind of have to be a little bit all lives matter because you can't, you can't exclude your mate. You can't just be like, oh, I'm only going to um, shop at black businesses. What if her family has a business? You know, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to stop gentrification. What if her family owns a, a property management company that is trying to gentrify? You, there's a point to where your blackness will have to stop because you can't, you can't be 100% pro something that your spouse is not. I get where you're coming from. I mean... Heck, let's be real. There are black couples out there, black man and black woman, who don't support black business, who mm-hmm. don't, um, who aren't really involved in black issues or don't care to be because right. for whatever reason they deem themselves to be quote unquote removed from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I, I do, I see where you're coming from, but I do think it can, it can go both ways. But I think, see, one of the problems with that is also, once again, like everything else, the onus always falls on black people. Mm-hmm. Why not? If if you are dating interracially, I think it's also if you're someone who's non-black and you're going to date a black person, you should take the time or at least be willing to learn about and educate yourself on issues that affect black people or people of color. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, when your partner feels a certain way or they're telling you about something that they've experienced or others are experiencing or they're explaining to you or they're explaining something to you historically Mm -hmm. not to say that you can ever truly relate because you wouldn't have had that experience but you may have a better understanding of where your partner is coming from and i think that could also lend itself towards someone being able to still be pro-black even if they're not dating someone of the same of the same race yeah we have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Where can everybody find you on social media? All right. So on Instagram, I'm at Kevin C. Mallory. And on Twitter, I'm at Mr. Underscore K. Mallory. See, we need to get, you need to be like me. I am everywhere on social media at Jared Fanatic. Boom. See how easy that was? Yo, you know what? I might, I'm, I might <laughs> look into doing that. I might, I might look into streamlining my social media approach. Yes. All right, you guys, but that's going to do it. That's our time. Make sure you check me out again on all social media at Fanatic. If you are listening to this on iTunes or wherever, make sure you venture over to the YouTube page to see clips of it um, live. And, in, you know, we're going to cut this down so you can see the full thing on YouTube. So make, you, make sure you check that out. And I will see you next week on At The Half. <laughs>